Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, though, lest you too be tempted. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Welcome to a New York Catholic conversation. My name is Deacon John Catalano, and I am joined as always by my good friend from St. Agnes and Rockville Center, Frank Alasia. Hey, Frank, how are you doing today? I'm doing fine, Deacon. How's everything? Everything is great. Um, topic for discussion today is correction versus condemnation. Right. Um, as followers of Jesus Christ, we know that we're all called to share our faith with others, to spread the good news, the gospel message to the whole world. And there are times when we encounter people who do not know God and may be living in a way that is opposed to God's law. And we, therefore, may be called to step forward and offer that person a word of correction. But we distinguish that practice right off the bat here from condemnation. We're not allowed to judge others or condemn others. We know that. But again, we may be in a position to offer correction for that person's benefit. So what about this thing, a correction versus condemnation, Frank? Yeah, it can, it can be really tricky. Um, but just some guidelines for when you are correcting and, and really how it, how it should be done. Um, the first thing is, is it grave matter? The second thing is, um, are you the person who should do it? And thirdly, is the, per is the person likely to listen to you? Okay, so, you know, you have to remember, it's an act of charity. We have to desire the good for the other person. We're not responsible for the person inevitably, but we want to try and promote their goodness. Yeah, okay. So, but nobody likes to be corrected. So, let's take a real life example. Let's say you work in a corporate situation with a colleague someone who you've worked with for a while, over time, you've been out socially with the wives, you've become friends. Uh, but at some point, you become aware that, he, let's say he's having an affair, let's say with another person in the office. So it's upsetting, it's a distracting situation. Uh, on the one hand, you don't want to interfere with someone else's business or private life at all. But on the other hand, using your three criteria, Frank, first, it's a grave matter. I mean, the man's marriage is threatened. Right. And I guess, in this example, let's say I'm the person who's in the best position to speak, even though I really don't want to. And then again, is he really li likely to listen? So if I'm going to say something, I've got to have to, th I'm going to have to think about my approach, my words and my tone, right? Yeah, because correcting can definitely be tricky, tricky, because today we always hear the words like, don't judge me. Right. So not only can that be confusing, but condemnation, you throw that in there and really that's what it's meant do not condemn i mean we make judgments all day long and if somebody's telling you two plus two equals three and three quarters you're not condemning them when they tell them no you're wrong it does not it equals four and it always will you know but but some will say you know who are you to say something um is sinful or why can't i follow my own conscience i mean to some extent that's true but because we see something is wrong with a person's actions you, you can't judge their, their heart or their motive. But like I said, we're called to judge all the, we're called to make calls every single day. Yeah. God decides what's right and wrong, you know, by, by his natural law and what he reveals to us in scripture. And of course, through the voice of the church. 
Yeah. Now, Jesus also said, why do you notice the splinter in your brother's eye, but do not perceive the wooden beam in your own eye? He said, remove the wooden beam from your eye first, then you'll see clearly to remove the splinter from your brother's eye. So we have to be sure that we ourselves are not remotely involved in the behavior that we would like to correct. Yeah. And like you said, if it isn't, if it's not grave, let it go, because sometimes you can make it worse. I mean, leave minor faults alone because we all have them. And what happens is you become like a burden. It becomes burdensome when you when you like that, you know, um, and we say don't correct if it's not your place. You know, you really have to be be aware of becoming, you know, uh, the modesty cop or the, you know, the child obedient cop. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's not about, you know, it's not something that bothers you about another person, but it has to be something that's clearly hurting them and needs healing. I mean, we have a great example of correction in the Old Testament. Second Samuel, David takes the wife of another man and then has that man killed a grave sin. Now, who's the right person to correct him? Well, the prophet Nathan comes along, and he uses a parable to get David's attention. He tells of a rich man with many flocks and herds, and a poor man with one skinny little ewe lamb, which he loves, like one of his own children. And the rich man doesn't take from his own flock and herd to prepare for a wayfaring visitor, but instead takes the poor man's lamb and serves it to the visitor instead. Now, David hears this story, and he's outraged at this rich man in the story. But Nathan says to David, you are that man. And right. then David realizes at once the truth that he has been sinful. So Nathan's correction was effective. He was the right person. And uh, he induced David to repent and change his ways. Yeah, it's good. It's a good idea. You know, he was kind of like instructing in that case. And it's always a good idea to try to instruct before correcting. You know, an example would be someone who received communion and mortal sin, which we spoke about in other podcasts. Try to explain, you know, why it's wrong, you know, before you jump all over them. And if, if you don't, if they don't listen, um, at least at least you've made the effort. But the the other thing too is, if you don't have authority over the person, do it humbly. And an example would be, um, you know, uh, I say a child to a parent or or a parishioner to a priest. You know, an example would be, you might say something like, Father isn't that a teaching of the church? Or I didn't realize the sacrament could be performed that way. Um, but you have to be careful when, like, as I said, you don't have authority over that person. All right. So if you were an equal of another person, let's say, and you have to use tact and discretion and compassion and courtesy. So for example, you have to correct with evidence, not just your own opinion. You don't ever want to embarrass the other person. You have to be careful with the words you use and the way that you say it. Yeah. You, you can use questions when doing this. And you have to be open also to being corrected yourself if you're going to get involved with something like this with somebody. Yeah. You, and, you know, virtuous people tend to be slow to correct because they're always looking for the good in everyone. Um, if you if you correct the fault in someone that you're guilty of yourself, they're going to come back at you and, and rightly so. And, and you'll draw, you know, you'll drive people away doing that. Uh, the other thing you have to be careful of, you cannot sin to stop the sin of another. In other words, when you do do it, don't be cruel, harsh, or angry when you correct, because that's only going to inflame the situation. Well, one kind of correction also we didn't mention yet is that, uh, and many people have heard of, of an intervention. Well, let's say several right. family members get around somebody who is clearly hurting himself and others. That's not usually a one-on-one -on -one situation, but it's still correction with the goal of getting someone to change their behavior. So again, back to this notion of tact 
you know, it's the ability to deliver a difficult message in a way that considers other people's feelings and, you know, preserves the relationship. Yeah. You know, I, make, I, yeah. Make sure I, it's the I, right environment, you know, yep. watch the time. And again, back to the words and body language and don't get emotional, you know, try to stay calm. No, I think in rounding it out, I would just say, you know, holy people don't get satisfaction out of correcting. It's just that they don't want to see anyone fall into serious sin and jeopardize their souls. This is a key point. They're not worried about being liked. They love a soul more than they worry about the person liking them. And that's really true love. You know, you have to tell you have to tell somebody the truth. And in, in closing, I just say pray for prudence, patience and charity when correcting. And remember, you know, Jesus didn't win them all. So we're surely not going to win them all. But just do the best you can. Amen, brother. I like it. Uh, folks, don't forget to like us and follow us on your podcast platform. And we like the notes we're getting. So send us an email at anycatholicconversation at gmail.com. That's anycatholicconversation at gmail.com. Frank, I love you a lot. I'll talk to you next time, okay? Thanks, Deacon. God bless.